This podcast contains material that may not be suitable for children or those of lesser constitutions. Listener discretion is advised. And now, go f*** yourself. Welcome back to another episode of the Innocuous Bastards podcast, the show you did not ask for, yet here we are. Uh, as usual, we've got the bastards um, here today, but we do have a special guest with us this very moment, the inimitable Ms. Kim. Ms. Kim, how you doing? Thank you. You called me inimitable? Inim- inimitable. A word that cannot be imitated because mm-hmm. I can't say it. You are unique, just like everyone else. How are things? Uh, <laughs> how are things doing on your end, Miss Kim? Okay, the spring forward, the spring forward clocks have us a little fucked up this morning, um, because it seemed extremely early when we were ordered by the five-year-old to get out of bed. <laughs> it's that damn circadian rhythm, huh? <laughs> I would. I mean, I'm so much about abolition for so many of our systems. Can we get rid of daylight savings? Like, I know there's stuff in the works. Nobody likes it. Yeah, one of our one of our senators, one of our organs, is it Wyden, who's uh, pro getting rid of the whole daylight savings time thing? Um, no, they're, they're not. They're not in favor of getting rid of it. They're in favor of moving to it permanently. Oh, okay. So it's. It's basically All getting rid of it. Well, not essentially. I mean, if you go to it permanently, you, you know, that, I think that's really what the beef is most people have with it is having to make the change rather than like, I don't like the long hour or long daytime during the summer. So, but it's not going to happen until California and Washington do the same thing. So we're, we're stuck doing this. Got it. So basically the move is, to keep like this would be the real time where we're at right now is going to be the real time where it's always well it's not going to be always spring forward but this is the the real time and i know that we talked about this in a previous episode too i, I believe we've talked about daylight savings time uh, and how you know perhaps the reasons for keeping the process it are, are antiquated now you know it's no longer about the the farmers i mean the farmers can have floodlights now okay we we saw it field of dreams right if you build it they will come you know so it's very possible players right pardon they farm baseball players exactly the point of that movie right exactly absolutely and ghosts the uh, existence of ghosts which you know again really tugs at my heartstrings but um, as the distance of kevin costner i mean (laughs) yeah um i think I watched Dances with Wolves for the first time ever last night. Whoa. What? First time ever. I, I avoid a lot of Hollywood movies and have for my whole life, but I sat down to watch this. Yeah, I gotta ask, how's that aged? Not, yeah. not, not well in my eyes. Oh, I would imagine not. Kevin Costner looks like Lamal for most of the movie with his <laughs> boofed up hair and you know, there's a whole sort of white savior storyline going on. There that it was just, I mean, maybe at the time it was kind of somewhat progressive, but now it just seems really antiquated and sort of part of the problem. So, and I feel like the chick in the movie 
ended up being Bill Pullman's first lady in um, oh. uh, Independence. Yes, thank you. Yeah, which is uh, also weird. So there was there there was a lot of white gratification with that movie. Well, yeah, and, and it's terrible. Think, now that I think about it, because I mean I haven't seen that movie in a long time. Um, was was is she was she supposed to be Native American? No, no I think she, she was captured or something. Or oh, yeah, yeah. clearly. But I there are a lot of when they sort of get put together by the 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 tribe. It's very well. It's very much. I don't. It's unspoken. It's very much spoken that they're both white, and that's what kind of why they're together. And and that's that's fine. You know, people find their true loves and all that. But yeah, the whole movie eh, is a little problematic. Also, Kevin Costner cannot do narration worth a damn. It just is so bad. It's spellbreaking. It's always odd to me when. I would think most actors can read if you can do nothing else beyond being <laughs> a, a gorgeous vessel to hang costumes upon. You should be able to read very well, have a very compelling speaking voice, especially when your face isn't even expected to do anything while you're reading. It's just narration. So that's wild. <laughs> you well, can't narrate. Two problems with it. One is that Costner wrote this movie. So the words that he is reading are words that he wrote. And then the second problem is, is that his character wrote these words and he's just coming across as completely leaden and just without any feeling. It's, it's basically asking, you know, a, a seventh grader to read out a, you know, some sort of a soliloquy or something. It just sounds so bad. <laughs> and, uh, and, it's really sort of in, inarticulate almost, but it's really his performance of the, the words that his character is supposed to feel very passionate about is just like, oh, it just hurts my ears. Well, I'm just I, sorry. Nope. Go ahead. No, go ahead. See, we were just we were just talking about this shit. <laughs> no, go ahead. Yeah. Man. Yeah. The the um, the 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 title alone is enough to make me not want to see it ever again dances with the wolves it's just it, it sounds insulting uh, it's definitely white splaining things which i know we're going to get to some of that later on but uh beyond that i think the the girlfriend if i recall has some sort of a pseudo uh late 80s 90s andre agassi type of haircut also which adds to it's very yes it's very much like that and uh it, it's just a problem for me. It makes her very unattractive in, in the movie. And I think in uh, Independence Day, I thought she looked great. She looked like a totally different person. She looked like the first lady. The other one, she looked like she should be under the Burnside Bridge. <laughs> I mean, so should Kevin Costner. Yeah, oh, there it is. That's exactly yeah. what I was looking for. Yeah, Although, nice. not great. The, especially since it really looks like the stylist was trying to approximate what they thought Native American hair <laughs> so much well, crazy. Oh boy. So, yeah. so with that, it looks like it's all boofed out 80s style, but it's like let's let's tease it so it looks a little messy. Yeah. yeah. Nobody else had the volume 
of her or Kevin Costner, <laughs> despite the fact no, that's that impressive. You know, like, there's no shampoo or anything, so yeah, <laughs> yeah, they, they totally on the plane. They totally broke the uh, broke the fourth wall by introducing blow dried hair in Dances with Wolves, for sure. Um, but that's a uh, that's amazing, Ag. I'm glad that you finally caught up. Um, you know what's what's next, Forrest Gump? Um, Maybe like good Goodfellas, or I mean, I seriously, I miss I missed a lot oh. of the big the big shows because I kind of like the small independent stuff better. But uh, there is a sort of a a cultural reckoning I'm de- I'm dealing with here, watching movies that I have missed me. Well, Mac is having such a visceral reaction to something you just said. What's what's on your mind, Mac? Oh, I only go to independent movies. Yes, I only go to small theaters where they don't it's show the big coffee. box. Come on, man. You haven't seen Goodfellas? Are you, 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 I, I hope you're joking about that. See, okay. So that to me is just an example of someone who's being counterculture just to be counterculture. No, it's not counterculture. It's what it is is. A lot of these movies come out and all the little clips and ads and talk, <laughs> it all like it is like I've already kind of halfway seen the movie before I even have a chance to watch it. So at that point, I'm like, OK, I've already, you know, that's not interesting to me anymore because I've seen half of it. So it's not so much. I'm not rejecting like, dude, I'm I, I'm Independence Day. I'm all about that. But <laughs> a lot of other stuff just I didn't get to see it. So. All right. Well, I'm glad. Sure I'm, glad I'm glad. I'm glad that you support Independence Day, which is the most, the highest grossing, big budgeted independent movie of all time. So, um, so, we're, we're, <laughs> so we're glad. We're glad you're you've kept up. But um, I just just we're relating Bill Pullman movies left and right here today. <laughs> well, it all started. I apologize. I, I I should not have mentioned Field of Dreams, but. You know, we, <laughs> But somebody mentioned Daylight Savings Time. I think that might have been you, Kim. So anyway, yeah. thanks for being an awesome guest so far. <laughs> <laughs> I, have done, I have done great work here. <laughs> Let me disappear through the cornfield. <laughs> but, uh, but it's been a while since uh, we've had you. Uh, you've graced us with your presence as a, as a guest on the show. What, if, what, if, what has life been uh, for you, um, you know, while living... I, I assume you're still working from home predominantly? Pretty much. I don't know if I told y'all, but I got a new job at the end of November and it's been keeping me fairly busy. Yeah, I'm speaking to you from a computer that I got issued from work that I may or may not be able to use for this purpose. So thanks, for <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations. But, yeah, it was it was an unexpected, but positive trend in a year that didn't have a whole lot of those but yeah it's been very much like busy 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 in spite of that all like kids five now we registered her for kindergarten yesterday morning and let me tell you the just the paperwork that you have to go through you think like you as an adult who is literate and have registered and applied and set up accounts for so many things. Like I've probably set up accounts for like shopping while I was like half, like half an hour into an edible. And it probably took all of like three (laughs) minutes. 
of my half-assed time. Kindergarten registration took forever. My partner and I are smart and we were straight up just sort of like, we need to do what? What are they asking for? What does this mean? (laughs) And then at the very end of it, we went through the registration process, which honestly wasn't incredibly difficult, but it just took so much longer than what we anticipated. And then we had to do a whole other account to like put her in the lottery for the program that we wanted. (laughs) So yes, adult adulthood means paperwork or like electronic paperwork. It just never ends. It never ends. Yeah. Especially it was a very revelatory thing. I'm just like, oh, we're going to have to keep doing this for every successive <laughs> thing she does. Where are, where are the adults? <laughs> the adults are on the sidelines of a soccer soccer match that, that uh, you know she's going to get into soccer at some point. Her friend already is like signed up for a, a <laughs> club or something she wants to join because of her friend. I'm like, they play soccer indoors now, right? please. <laughs> I told you, I tell you, um, I had, well, yeah, four nieces and one nephew so far that all went through soccer, you know, camp, I guess, through school, etc. Oh, boy, uh, the, how bored was I on the sidelines? And I mean, thankfully, I've got an iPhone, you know, that I can actually busy myself, but I was being a supportive uncle. You know, so yeah. the sidelines. I can only imagine being a parent. And, and having to do that, you know. So. Yeah, I wonder what the protocol is for, like, can you read a book or, like, work or, uh, I don't know, like, can, like, nope. write a novel about the existential torture that is watching kids can be? <laughs> can you well, do edibles? I mean, I feel like a lot of parents will. This is Oregon. <laughs> <laughs> right on. No, but, uh, but AG, you're, you're on mute. This is what you need Google Glass for. So you can be doing stuff while it looks like you're watching. You're actually just, you know. Yeah. Are those still available? I've not really heard much about the Google Glass. I don't Mm. think they can buy them, but I mean, they're around, but not like in production. Well, I think I'd be more more apt to uh, get, get something implanted um in my brain kind of a uh, black mirror style so that i could just you know maybe review my <laughs> take stock of my life while i'm standing there in the sidelines like what how do what did i do to get to here you know yeah just the tears and anguish people are just like he's taking this game really seriously like, i don't even think he's got children here <laughs> who is this guy <laughs> No, it is actually a a lot of fun. I've been through it now several times. And as you well know, I have uh, older kids. And so uh, there's plenty of parents who uh, find the time to pay attention when it matters. And that's when your kid's out there uh, or your your kid's doing something. If they're not doing anything, there's really no reason to pay any attention whatsoever. (laughs) Unless you're uh, an angry uh, uh, athlete, dad or mom which I see that too. And, and I remember my, my daughter, when she was in, um, she was soft, she was doing soft, softball, uh, the, the one year that she did it and the parents would get so angry at the umpires, so angry. 
And I even volunteered to be an umpire one time because the guy didn't show up. I was like, all right, I'll do it. And they were yelling at me. I was like, you realize these are like eight-year-old kids. They don't care that much. And you're yelling at me about balls and strikes in a softball game. <laughs> and so, I, I mean, I, I never did that again because I wanted to yell back at the people. And then I couldn't show up for the next game. But, yeah, I mean, they get so into it and so angry about it uh, that that actually kind of creates a bit of a kind of a side uh, 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 entertainment, actually. So if, if you know, you're feeling what's that? Oh, I, I just said I could see that. That could be funny. It is funny because they're like, that should have been a foul. That was a strike. Oh, look at that. That, that, was, a, that was a penalty. What, what the hell is wrong with the reps? acting like it's, 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 it's a pro sport and that their kid is going <laughs> to obviously end up in the pros at some point, right? <laughs> Clearly. I mean, look at the talent out there. So, I mean, beyond that, it, it's, it's a lot of fun. You pay attention to the crazy people a little bit for some entertainment. And then you just watch when it's your kid up there. Rest of it, you, clearly you just drown in edibles. Yeah. Well, thanks, Mac, for that. For that <laughs> in my future about how I am going to have to argue that like little Jaden is all is destined for <laughs> what, like the Giants? Like I don't give a shit. <laughs> clearly, clearly, millionaire in the future, totally. <laughs> well, I know that. Uh, COVID pretty much definitely spelled our existence, been our existence for the last 12 months. Um, but certainly there's a hope on the horizon. Mm-hmm. I'm really liking everything that I'm seeing. I get I get a weekly, I'm sorry, a daily email from the Nike intelligence community. Who uh, And one of the things that they track is obviously the virus and vaccinations and, uh, you know, the case cases and, um, and, and other metrics. Um, and it's great to see, at least at least here in the U.S., it, with the exception of a few a few key states here in the U.S., cases are dropping, hospitalizations are dropping, um, vaccinations are, are are increasing, and uh, you know, and then at some point, of course, hopefully sometime soon, we'll, we will reach herd immunity while the vaccinations are are still happening. So there's there's hope on the on the horizon. We were talking before you got on the call cam about you know looking forward to being maybe i don't know i don't know i don't want to put words in you guys mouth but really looking forward to actually being together in person to record um you mm-hmm. know subsequent episodes so um because we've <clears throat> for the most part kept it safe and are mm-hmm. obviously doing this via zoom for now um but yeah but that covid certainly uh is still still very much real real for us how are you how are you dealing with that kim um, very much looking forward to getting that shot too. And I mean, I'm, I'm a little frustrated that I, when I hear of people who don't appear to be medically compromised in any way or definitely not over the age of 65 or, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to start in on a conversation about the vaccine on that degree of bitterness. I know every shot in the arm of a, of a person is better than them going down a drain. That said, you know, I, I think the COVID wall is a very real phenomena and I'm very tired of not being able to hang out in my friends' houses. And 
I'm thinking about like my grandmother in Hawaii and nobody's really able to check on her because we can't travel there. And I know like I've got some family business that I need, I, I may need to travel for at the end of the year. So I'm hoping that, that that's going to be possible and safe by all metrics at that point. But I mean, hopefully both this state's initiative and the federal initiative to get everybody kind of on that same plane by May's on track. I actually, the funny thing too, is I almost had an opportunity to get my first dose at the Nike campus yesterday, but it was, I think the event that I found out about was shared in error. And I had this like hours long ethical conundrum where I was just like, well, I'm there, my name's there. Who am I to deny paperwork, right? <laughs> but ultimately I decided against it because the event was shared, was not meant to be shared. And they made a point of emailing people who had appointments and saying like, if you do not fall into an eligible category, please fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, um, we are, we're doing, Nike is hosting um, with, uh, in partnership with Tualatin Valley Fire and Rescue, mm -hmm. these uh, vaccination pods. That's um, a lot. Over the next uh, six to eight weeks. So, um, um, and I know that um, the first time we did it, we only had six extra shots left at the end of the day. And so those were given to, volunteers who were who fell within the 1b 1b categorization so at least there were no shots um wasted which is great um not sure i don't have the stats from this weekend yet but uh but yeah i think to your point i think shots in arms are definitely um better than shots going down the drain uh what what frustrates me more and i'm not sure whether i've, I've already expressed it with the other bastards here, but what expresses what frustrates me more is when uh, I have in my circle some not necessarily anti-vaxxers, but anti the coronavirus va uh, vaccination. They're just like they're like you know what I it's just like the flu shot. I'm gonna get my flu shot this year. I don't have to worry about the coronavirus shot. And I'm like, what are you what are you talking about? So and I've wasted too many brain cells and, and vocal cords just trying to talk to these people and get them on on the same page but obviously it's a decision <clears throat> it's a personal choice or is is what their you know their position is it's a personal choice but i'm like okay well your personal choice could be preventing me from visiting my parents in tacoma in, you know in july versus december you know so i don't know i think that's what where do, you, where do you sit on that, AG? Well, I, I overhear a lot of conversations, and, and I heard overheard one the other day com complaining about the, the vaccine, the, the coronavirus vaccine, as it's too new and blah, blah, blah. And I just want to tell you, this isn't based on nothing, okay? This is not, we're just going to put some raspberry jelly in a syringe and take it. No, it's, th there's a... Uh, there are other also effective, <laughs> uh, but there's other coronaviruses. So they've adapted 
this to that? You know, or they've adapted the coronavirus, what they know, to this new coronavirus. So it's not just like we're just throwing it something against the wall. It's this is based on science, and that's kind of where the that's kind of where the, the the holdup is. I think for some people is that there is this sort of anti-science bias going around, and it, it kind of drives me nuts. I mean, as anybody that you know, this isn't a choice of like my God over my science. They, you know, you can make those two things coexist in your brain if you're so inclined. For me, it's like I do believe in the science because you can prove it. You can prove things. So that that whole thing, I think that kind of there's also sort of like a liberal conservative bias here. And I think we, this is probably another podcast to go down this trail, but there's this there's a sort of a prevalence in conservative thinking that hey well, what was good for my parents is good for me. And so things are just sort of adopted wholesale as far as their, their beliefs. And in some ways it works for them. It works for people in rural places because life has not changed so much. So the knowledge of your forebearers is useful. So, but learning new stuff, eh, it's tricky. It's hard. It requires like complex thinking. And I think sometimes it's easier for those folks to just say, Hey, what was good enough for my pappy is good enough for me. And so that, that's just where the conversation ends. And that kind of drives me a little, a little crazy. And I was a little, I was a little concerned because again, because of misinformation or disinformation prior to, you know, January 20th. Um, and and uh, actually there's still some disinformation going on right now. My parents, my own parents were very leery about the vac- about the vaccination because they were, you know, and, and it would be there would not be a day that went by several months ago when I wouldn't get a text from my dad um, saying, this is what people are saying about the coronavirus vaccination. So, you know, don't get it if you get if you get if you get offered. I'm going, first of all, where did you read this from the onion? You know, and I and I and it's and it's it was frustrating me because it's like you guys need to get the vaccination. You specifically, you and mom, because so that way you can be whatever, safer than you are right now. I mean, and they they were feeling frustrated just being at home and, you know, doing all the social distancing and not being able to see their grandchildren or, or their children, hopefully. Um, um, and But they were allowing themselves to be brainwashed by disinformation and, and not trusting the science. And I get it. You know, they're well, uh, you know, well along in, uh, in years and maybe – you know, some of the stuff that people are saying um, was just really getting to them. And they and they, they were basically fearful more than anything, rather than doubtful. They were more fearful than that something bad was going to happen if they got the vaccine. So it was a little, so I was elated when they finally got their first dose uh, a couple of weeks ago and waiting on their second dose. So that's uh, it's it's a good sign. Um, and and it's Funny now, their rhetoric has changed. My dad literally two days ago was like, "Hey, you know, if you get an opportunity to, to, to get the vaccine, please, please take it." So it's good, kind of like a big one eighty on their end. Did you find the same thing on your end, Kim, with regard to your parents and the vaccination? Um, I'm just going to say I'm glad that your parents got got their dose, that, and I'm glad that that is actually a very happy story about a. Uh, a case where misinformation was mistaken as just fact, but after experience and 
probably additional information, people change their minds. And it is so important to remind yourself that you can change your mind when you're presented with new things. And like AG said, it's hard, especially when you are so locked into a certain perspective where like your familial, your familiar, your familial way of life is considered like sacred. But um, my parents were, I, I mean, I'm not going to get into it so much here, but they've had their ups and downs as far as their degree of precaution throughout the course of last year in this one. But I think they both fall pretty soundly on the, like, they trust medical professionals. Like, they may, they may have beliefs that are kind of rooted in religion, maybe rooted in their generation, where it's a little bit like, I don't know everything. But they do tend to trust doctors. And I'm appreciative. So my dad was, my dad got really lucky. I think he was pre-registered and happened to be looking one day and found open appointments at a community college near their house. And he got one that very same day. And I think he should be fully vexed up by, I would assume by the end of this month, given that timeline. My mom's not quite in the age yet, but she's checking every day. We've we've had a couple of conversations on the family text thread about like, using the the Harry Potter house names applied to the different vaccines. So I'm, I'm kind of leaning to, I've used the phrase, maybe we will all get sorted into the J&J &J house a lot, <laughs> which is so dorky, but. <laughs> hey, whatever makes sense, right? My, my, my two sisters are both, like they both gotten their second rounds. They both work in the healthcare communities and different sectors of it. And I think they both got the Moderna. I think they call it the Moderna Puff. I'm like, who decided which which vaccine gets which house? Like, which one's Slytherin? Is it all Slytherin? Well, Moderna is clearly Hufflepuff. The one that kicks your ass the, the, the second time around? <laughs> well, I mean, I guess, I you know, like, everybody is different. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Mac, I know obviously Claire works in the medical uh, industry and you and she probably have, have, have talked through, do, do, have you heard her talk about people not wanting to get the vaccine for various reasons? Yeah, I mean, mainly people who work in the nursing homes um, and people who are caregivers. Um, it's It's incomprehensible to me that they wouldn't uh, be forced to do that, but there's so many people out there who, again, I think they kind of fall under that um, the vine of uh, what AG was talking about. Of it's too soon, there's not enough evidence. Well, you know, there was you know 40, 50,000 people involved in these trials. Um, you know, and again, they've done this stuff before, as as AG was talking about. So again, what you you've run up into is the last year being told that from scientists that it's, it's deadly and it's important that we do something about it and we're not doing enough. And then you have the government telling everybody else that it's not a big deal um, and you shouldn't have your life dominated by it. And, and so you get these two strains of thought 
strains or no pun intended on that one, but it's, 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 it's incomprehensible, like I said earlier, and it's inexcusable for people. And I, and I know you guys were talking about the generational differences and all that, but to me, it's even worse if you have people who were brought up in a time where there's even more education uh, and, and importance put on having an education and a better education available for them to then go to the opposite extreme of uh, let's just listen to, you know, Fox news and this lack of critical thinking, it's almost even worse for older generations now than it is for the younger generations. Uh, I think there's so much information out there certainly that's available, but I feel like the Gen Z and then whatever they're calling the next generation, I don't know, they seem to be much more in tune with what's going on. I'm hoping that they can save our asses because right now I have very little faith in boomers who are being a real bitch about this. Uh, they, they really are. They're, they're, they're causing a lot of problems. Uh, and even Xers to a certain extent, this is generational divide. I feel like is really causing us a problem, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I got the, I got the, the f- first dose a couple of weeks back uh, because um our little one qualifies for services and I'm also an essential worker or whatever you want to say. I'm in HR, but I'm, I'm in construction. Uh, so when the opportunity came, I absolutely took it. Um, I don't know, maybe I'm not that ethical, but I didn't, there's so many people who are declining. <laughs> well, <laughs> just like, ah, you know, maybe, maybe um, <laughs> I don't, I feel like it's your patriotic duty. Sorry, just unmuting this. I don't know. Um, I don't know. I feel like it's a patriotic duty to take it if you have the ability to do it. And I feel there's so many other people who aren't going to take it. I didn't feel like I was taken from anybody else. Uh, I don't know. Maybe that's wrong, but I got the Pfizer one. I got it again. Uh, Thursday, I'm taking the second dose. I'm happy to do it if it helps keep other people safe. And, and I think that's where we really, really need to get to. And I think we're almost there. It's like, okay, we've got these groups of people, these high-risk people, but we're only at 10% of the population that's actually taking it right now. That, to me, is bad. I think we should, I think we should open it up to the people who want to take it and just, get it and just get this going. Because the sooner we can protect grandma and grandpa, even if they don't want to take it, if if the grandkids and the you know kids are taking it, they, then they can go visit them, you know, and then may, and then maybe they can change minds. I'm not so sure about the effectiveness of these of, of, of these phases. I'm just really not. Well, I think the bottom line is this needs to happen, which is, you know, it's refreshing to have an administration here in the U.S. Uh, um, an administration that is behind getting vaccinations to the, to, you know, shots in arms to make sure that, um, that people have access to it. Obviously Biden rolled out uh, a stimulus plan that includes uh, funds for, for these vaccinations to happen, which is great. And, and certainly to your point, Mac, you know, perhaps we will get to that. We'll, we'll crest some sort of hill where people's minds do get better informed and they can make better decisions, not just for themselves, but for, you know, for their loved ones. And that there are, there's an infrastructure in place to make sure that this does happen, regardless of governors who don't, you know, who are maybe 
who lean against against it for some reason or other. I mean, we have our own state governor here who is a little bit more cautious in promising the May 1st deadline to the citizens of Oregon because of how badly she was burned by the former administration's promises of delivering vaccines to the state, to the state. But, you know, Biden um, issuing the Defense Production Act or whatever, whatever it's called to make sure that the vaccines are produced uh, at, a, at a higher pace and get the vaccines to the to those to the states um, as you know quickly. And, and so that we can get the vaccinations on, on, on track for that May 1st. I know there's the detractors to that. And, and critics that say, oh, you're just making sure that there's a time that, that your timeline lines up so that everybody gets a July 4th celebration so that, hey, there, there again, all hail Biden made July 4th special for us. But it's kind of it, those kinds of talk. I mean, it's counterintuitive and it's, it's stupid to even hear people talk about that. It's like, just think about you. Think about yourself and think about the mental anguish that you, you're probably experiencing right now and your family's experiencing because we've not been able to do the things that we've we normally are able to do without the without the virus so well on, on top of that let's just think about a year ago the previous motherfucker promised us that we would have church for easter and everybody would be gathered in churches and then it was going to be gone within a month so you know fuck him if bright if biden wants to say july 4th or whatever i mean i'm not holding my breath i don't care about just for the july but the bottom line is they're doing things that are realistic and they're setting the bar even kind of low in a certain way, which is smart. You know, I remember he said a hundred million vaccinations in a hundred days. Well, they were already at about that level when he made that pronouncement. So the fact that they've done better than that actually makes them look better. And and if those idiots in the, the previous administration would have just focused on, you've got this power uh, this uh, defensive production act, the ability to make it about being patriotic to do your duty to, 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 to do these things, that guy would have been reelected in a landslide. There's no doubt about it. In you know, my mind, he, he screwed himself or what, what, what's, what's that meme? You, you played yourself. I mean, he basically did. There's no reason why he shouldn't have gotten re reelected, but just doing the simple, basic, decent, right thing to do. But I mean, that shows how bad of that, those people were, I guess. And I'm so, and as you say, I'm so glad that they're not there. Absolutely. Well, let it be, maybe this is a, the first part of our uh, episode today as a PSA to our listeners, especially you, Edgar, please get vaccinated <laughs> for the love of all things. Holy. Hi, Edgar. <laughs> all right. We'll take a quick break. Welcome back from the break. Hopefully you made that a good one. Um, just in time for our discussion on, on anti-Asian anti hate crimes, which, you know, hopefully uh, you've strapped yourself down for this. Um, it's certainly been something that's been weighing heavily on, on my, my mind uh, as of late. But uh, And I was just reading an article from NPR this morning, anti-Asian hate crimes basically obviously had a had a very public uptick recently but since the start of the pandemic there'd been 3000 
reported anti-hate crimes here in the U.S. alone, half of which happened in California. So it looks like California is a uh, pretty freaking racist. But the uh, uh, and again, this is reported, uh, and according to the, an LA-based um, uh, organization called Asian Americans Advancing Justice, this is it's anti-Asian hate crimes are actually underreported here in the U.S. And I want to get into that in a little bit here. But so the, even though 3000 does seem like a, a, a large number right now, um, it could be it could be more. But the thing the the thing that really, I guess, really chaps my hide or whoever, I think I was I was misstating that saying a while back, but is that. And Kim, I would love to get your 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 opinion on this for sure, is that I feel that because of Asian Americans' tendency to kind of remain insular for things to just be in, in our in our own little circles, we're part of the underreporting as well. So that because you know it's it's generations of let's not make waves, let's just try to be a part of the American culture here. So don't mm-hmm. don't try to don't try to focus on your Asianness, but obviously the last twelve months have really brought to light that that whole insular approach and how uh, um, you know the the anti Asian hate at the start of the pandemic was really stamped down, sadly, by another big movement that happened, of course, during that during that time of the year, which is the Black Lives Matter. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Anyway, I'm going to pause real quick on that one because, again, I think right now I am nervous for my parents. Obviously, they're, they're, staying, they're staying home for the most part, but I know that at the start of the pandemic, they, they stopped their mall walking and are, were just going to start mall walking again, especially in light of the, the vaccinations that they're, that they're getting, but now are afraid to go mall walking because they just fear that they could be the target, even my dad says be careful around while you're walking around in Portland because you could be you could be targeted you know <laughs> he even went as far as make sure your face is covered by your mask at all time maybe wear a hoodie I'm going dad that's ridiculous but he said but this is a reality right now reality is anti-asian hate um, is at an all-time high here in the US and off off air we were talking about we know what the what the reasons are but obviously the the most basic reason is the association of the current coronavirus on 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 Asians. Kim, what are you, what are your thoughts? What what thoughts are going through your head right now? Oh, so many, Amato. Um, it sucks that your parents are put in a vulnerable position when they're just living their business, doing things that are so harmless, like walking. And that your dad would give you advice. Here's the thing. I, I'm not pushing back on you bringing up how the Black Lives Matter protests last year sort of shifted focus from one thing to another. When I really think it's all part of the same, you know, white supremacist hydra that kind of runs a lot of the systems in this country, because it is very striking to me that your dad would talk about you keeping a mask on and putting a hoodie up when we know from past cases of violence 
against black men that even that won't save you when people have decided you're the problem for whatever reason and and there are really there are intersections there like I know that we are here to discuss the rash of violence against Asian Americans. I just really want to make sure that it's not an either or thing when we talk about that. Like hate crimes, hate crimes are hate crimes for regardless of the the ethnicity. And it all kind of stems from, you know, the idea of white superiority, which is bunk. Yeah. Absolutely. And we have evidence of that um, on this call right now. Just kidding. Sorry. Sorry, uh, AG and Mac. Didn't mean to, uh, to direct that at you. Well, no, I mean, there's something to that. I mean, we were talking earlier. I'm sitting in the parking lot of my uh, complex here and uh, drinking a bottle of wine. I'm not going to drive anywhere. But, no, honestly, I don't I don't fear like someone's going to see me and call the police. That's a fact. No one's going to do that. Oh, it's just some white guy being a, a, a dumbass. You know, look at him. He's wearing glasses. He's, 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 he's only harmless. If I were African-American sitting here and, and say I just put it in a paper bag, sitting here ominously menacingly because they think it would be menacingly, there would be a cop in here in about 20 minutes. And that's just a fact. So, I mean, I'm happy for my white privilege that I can do this stupid thing. But at the same time, it's so it's horrifying to think that that's how people think. And it's, it's a very small example, but yeah, I don't fear going places. I don't fear anybody uh, trying to retaliate against me. Um, It's, it's something that white people can't possibly understand. Uh, Anybody tries to says that they do or try to justify it or try to downplay it. I mean, if my parents were alive and they told me, well, you better wear a mask and you better be careful where you go. I'd be like, what do you, what do you, you know, it's, it's that type of thing is insane. When you think about where, where people think that we are in, in this country uh, with regards to racism and the fact that nobody wants to talk about it is even worse and admit that things aren't perfect and admit that we still have a problem. Uh, we have a major problem with it in this country. And it's been, exacerbated by the last four years, four or five years, uh, it's shown where we are. We're not that dissimilar from South, South Africa uh, in, in, in a, a lot of ways. And even and more so, we're even more co- uh, colonial than we think that we are. So I don't know. I mean, I meant to be a joke with the, you know, the wine in, in the parking lot, but it's a good illustration of, uh, kind of what we should uh, be trying to change mainly me people drinking in the parking lot of, of places honestly i'd be so happy for the utopia where we can all just drink drink wine in parking lots and have no fear for our our ability to to get out of our cars and go about our business assuming your business isn't like driving <laughs> i will Wait. be no driving today <laughs> we got for that <laughs> It's curbside wine delivery is the business. <laughs> Boom. I, I, there's public transit too. Like everybody drinks on public transit, right? <laughs> <laughs> but on, so on public transit, everybody drinks out of a Boda bag. Fun fact. 
But I think you made a good point, Mac. Certainly, the there's a lot that could be that could be attributed. A lot of the anti-Asian hate crimes could be directly attributed to the past administration in terms of the rhetoric that 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 the asshole, former asshole in chief, or the asshole in chief, was spewing almost on the daily. You know, whether it's on Twitter or or public appearances, and calling it the China virus, and 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 really driving that in uh, uh, to his base uh, of supporters, that really exacerbated matters. But racism, to your point, Kim, yes, it, it's it's existed here in uh, it continues to exist in in America. Um, I actually was asked recently if I'd. Let's put it this way. I've I've been told to my face by a um, by an, uh, a Caucasian uh, buddy of mine that says, oh, no, you know, you, Amado, no, you're you're good. You're not you're not a subject. You're not subjected to racism. Going, I go, how do you how can you say that? How can you assume that I'm not a subject uh, of race of racism? That I'm not subjected to some sort of prejudice on, on the daily. You can't assume that because he, but but then he pointed out but you're Asian, you know, the Asians are not the targets of, 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 of racism normally. And just the, just the line of thinking was, was, a, was appalling, appalling to me. I mean, you know, I mean, I, but I think that's because of that thinking that's been around forever and how Asians were the model minority that, you know, for, for a long while back. And that's how Asians were presented by, by, by media and, and really by this, by this government, but we we were the model minority. Strive to be, you know, not strive to be Asian, but why don't you be just like the Asians? You know, they're the doctors, they're the lawyers. There's, you know, so we were put on a pedestal here in the U.S. in a way, and so, but I, and I think that that's what led to this whole. Okay, I'm going to underreport this the hate crime that I just that I just experienced. I'm going to underreport uh, the prejudice that I just experienced because it's it's no big deal. At least we're not that other ethnicity, which is yeah. just kind and of getting all that. And it's demeaning too, to think about it that way, like the layers of just like, well, we're at least held in, in a higher esteem in our country. So I guess we can just fly by and don't make waves. Like it, it still subscribes to this idea that there's a hierarchy among races and that there's, a bad ethnicity or a bad skin color, which is something that we should be dismantling. It's not, it's not right. It, it dehumanizes everybody. Yeah, it makes That's me a, think of like a, a like a, some sort of power ranking, racist power ranking. Yeah. <laughs> it's insane. Asians are number one. So, you know, it's fine, right? It's good. Yeah, that David Chappelle sketch with the draft. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, anybody, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Has anybody checked with Vegas lately? Where do where do the Asians rank in the uh, uh you know in the, in the whole races? No, and and obviously we're not trying to make light light of this. And I, it's it's funny because Kim was when I you know when I reached out to her and I apologize. I hope you don't mind my sharing this, Kim. But she says, "Oh, I thought it was supposed to be a comedy podcast. <laughs> why are we why are we talking about anti Asian hate?" But it's important to talk about it because have you listened to our podcast, Kim? Is uh... <laughs> <laughs> I hate to hear myself talk, Adrian. <laughs> so you know the answer. <laughs> well, we, we all do. <laughs> but so I I read a, a kind of an interesting article talking about 
uh, Asians of all of all cultures, and how they're often used as sort of a wedge group in mm. trying to sort of keep. It's like you can use this example of the Asian community as a way to sort of put heat on other non-white communities and that there was a little bit critical actually of the asian communities for for uh what's the word i'm looking for they're aligning themselves more often with the white majority than with other minority groups and so that's sort of like for stuff to kind of change there needs to be a little bit more of a unified effort and, and like what you were saying cam is like let's don't forget that there's other hate crimes and really a hate crime is of equal importance, uh, regardless of who it's being af affected by it, whatever the reason is, it's still, it's not right and it needs to stop. So um, the model minority thing is a little bit of a myth and it's, we, it just, all this really does, all that really needs to happen for all these sort of problems to go away is the dismantling of this white supremacist notion or white supremacy itself. It does need to stop. And I, but I think a lot of this is, this is all old stuff. And the fact that this coronavirus has made everything more insular. And it's like, we're all, we're mixing less and less with other people. So it just everything becomes an echo chamber. Somebody in your family says, blah, blah, blah. This is all came from China. And then it just sort of sinks in to other members of that family. And it doesn't, it just perpetuates itself. So I think once we can all mingle more and have more positive experiences with, with all peoples, that this stuff should kind of die down. And I do think, I've, I've mentioned this before, is that there's still a lot of people out there that are alive pre-civil rights era. And so a lot of those notions have, are still lingering and are still being passed down, but hopefully on like a watered down uh, level. So I think as we go forward and as all of us see images in the media and in our everyday lives of, of different ethnicities engaging with, you know, with intent of harmony, that more of that's going to just sort of sink in. Is like, this is the way things need to be. But it's just, it takes a lot to stamp out this, these outdated notions for people because it's easier to hate than to change your mind. That is really what the basis of this is. I think it, it, that is a huge thing too. It's, it's very hard to release yourself from the narratives that you were given when you were a child. And a lot of those were so orchestrated in fear. Like, I mean, I, I don't want to speak for all Asians. And it, it, when people talk about Asians being a model minority, which is definitely a notion that I'm that I push back on. I am a Gen X slacker through and through. I'm like, there are so many different subsets of Asian, and there's a lot of prejudices between one and the other. Like when Ali Wong talks about like the good Asian, you know, the Chinese and Japanese side versus the jungle Asian, that is a very real thing among that community, the communities. And there's, there's just so many levels of how one is acceptable to other Asians and how even that differs when, when you're put up against, you know, dominant 
like Western white culture, which is what the US has got. Yeah, another thing I wanted to bring up too is we, I think the phrase assimilate or be destroyed has come up in my mind a bunch since we started this conversation. And there is perhaps a generational, perhaps a cultural thing where our, I, I can speak to like maybe my Asian ancestors, my, my predecessors are just like, oh, you have what you're experiencing sounds like trauma, but we're not gonna talk about it that way. We're certainly not going to give you avenues to treat it or to discuss it with other people so you realize you are not alone. I mean, but I think that is largely generational. Like <clears throat> we, mental health is a big thing and there are lots of Asian Americans in the mental health community, plenty of therapists, plenty of people who are trying to break that cycle of not talking about our inner demons. <laughs> and as far as what the Asian American community does within itself to push back on white supremacy, I think owning your mental health and being able to talk about things that are not right, whether that, that is an internal thing or, or an external thing is important in rebelling against dominant culture. For sure. Yeah. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, Asians make up, I don't know whether this is a number, I don't know which the source is, but Asians make up only 6% apparently of the, of the U.S. population. So it's very easy to for Asian culture, unless it's something that we're choosing to amplify ourselves, to really be kind of just be set on set to the side, right? You know, outside of Chinese Lunar New Year, what do people really know about Asian culture, right? Or the Filipino food cart pod that's uh, that's in Southeast Portland. There's really, it, it's, it's so surface what people know here in the U.S., what people know about Asian culture. And to your point, Kim, some of it could be self-perpetuated because I do remember exhibiting behavior that should not be, it really it should not be something that I should exhibit. I mean, I, for a while, I was calling you fake Capino, right? Because we, you know, you're about that, but like the problem there wasn't that you called me that or anything. It was just that I, I went to, I went to college in a predominant, at a predominantly white school with a lot of well-meaning, extremely liberal, liberal, but very like white bread, white students. And I was alone for the first and living independently for the first time in my life. And I couldn't begin to tap into my Asian American culture in that, in that kind of a space because all I was trying to do was keep my head above water and survive in that environment. And it wasn't because I felt like any of my particular colleagues were racist or felt I was inferior. Like I, I don't feel that way at all about the people I met at that time whom I'm still close to, but I was very, I was very aware that, okay, this is how we're we're getting by, and that is that does not involve talking about Filipino food or holiday traditions. Certainly not the language, the one that I don't speak because we didn't speak it in my house. 
knowing with that in mind, of course I assimilated. It was a survival technique, but you know, like as the years have gone by and, you know, I've been living somehow as a grown ass adult for much longer than when I, when I started college, it, it saddens me a little bit that I, that I wasn't, I wasn't paying as much attention to that aspect of my personality or my identity at the time. It's sad to me that I was pretty happy to downplay that even, even with you, Amato, but I mean, I'm, time has passed now and I'm like, you know, there's never any wrong time to learn more about yourself and the, the various things that, that make you, you. And we are at a moment now, unfortunately, where I think a lot of Asian Americans have to think about the fact that we were told to downplay that aspect of ourselves. I mean, it's, it, it is buckling against a colonial, a colonial system. It's, it's hard. But to, to, to your point earlier, again, I think it's, um, that whole assimilate, assimilate or be destroyed. It's certainly some, I've never really put it that way, but it's certainly something that was important for me when I'm, when the family emigrated here to the U S it's just, just try to be as American as you can be, you know, obviously maintain your Filipino culture. Uh, and I do that. I do that by trying to speak Tagalog with my parents when I, when I, when I'm on the phone with them, but ultimately trip on my words. And I just responded to them in English while they continue to talk to me in Tagalog, um, just because it is, it was very conscious on my part to not stand out. Obviously, I'll stand out from a you know in a from a physicality standpoint among you know in a crowd, but in terms of mannerisms, in terms of behaviors, in terms of culture, it was definitely very much an active assimilation uh, protocol in place for myself, for sure, and you know. And I kind of maybe trivialized my Asian-ness as well. Um, or not trivialized, but, uh, but I, I did kind of actively stamp it down publicly. And then also, but privately, was kind of looking for ways to, to, to make it known that, hey, I, I am Asian. I'm, I'm, proud to be, I'm proud to be Asian. But I wasn't really doing that publicly, obviously, until just recently. I've been a little bit more outspoken about it. Um, I there's an employee network at the company I work for, uh, where conversations are are meaningful. Conversations are finally happening. Um, that goes beyond again. It goes beyond the whole Chinese Lunar New Year, which is what my company helps to celebrate on an annual basis. But there are, to your point, there's many Asians and. You know, and we're lumped in also with this whole Asian American Pacific Island Islander type of uh, designation as well, because it, it, we run the gamut. So just much like you can't, you know, much like for instance the black black community here in the U, in the United in the U.S. can't really just be all one one community. Uh, you can't just be all one type. There's many types of Asians as well, and we want to make sure that all our voices are are heard. But really, it is up to us. I feel in as much as, uh, you know, uh, as we would appreciate our allies help, helping to, to, to speak as well. It's up to us to really help to amplify, amplify those things. I mean, I'm glad in a way that 
we're, that this is our this is getting airtime now. Okay, media is finally featuring this the anti-Asian hate crimes that are happening that used to just disappear and it wasn't even it wasn't even reported. It wasn't you know it wasn't even in the media that this was all happening. Three thousand you know, mm-hmm. cases that were, that was underreported in the media because of other things that were going on. I think that's part of, part of that is also, um, again, part of that is that is the media under underreporting, but certainly a, a big piece of it is us uh, is for me in particular, I'm going to only talk about me, me starting to talk about and amplifying my, my Asian heritage as well. I think amplification is a huge thing that I'm trying to own. And I mean, I'm also about like systems need to change, like systemic racism's also a thing that is not on people of color to just like fix, you know, like, but we can keep pointing to it. We can keep talking about it. And we can certainly keep bristling when, when it's normalized. But like, I was, I was doing some research and writing my notes for for the recording today. And I'm just like, you know, these, the attacks are against elderly Asian Americans. They're people who totally based on a physical assessment are not threatening. So you know that it's not just a matter of like mistaken identity or, or people just picking off like you know whoever because they're mad and have this like rage boiling in them like these were these were calculated like who and just the number of elderly asian americans attacked at bus stops like knowing that if you are waiting for a bus or or riding public transportation, you have nowhere else to go. Like we, like you're vulnerable. It's not like having a car where you, you can just kind of hide there and drink your wine. Like, Mac. <laughs> I, mean, I just want to, I do want to pay a little bit of attention here to the, the Thai man who was assaulted on the street in a San Francisco neighborhood died from his injuries in the hospital two days later. And, you know, we are still existing in a pandemic. He probably died largely without his family near him. And then another one just this past week who was assaulted in the Oakland, like the Lake Merritt neighborhood, who also died in the hospital due to injuries Apparently his assailant had a history of targeting elderly Asian Americans. And then to like bring it even closer to home, like the number of of businesses in the, you know, that Southeast 82nd quadrant, the Jade District that have experienced vandalism since the start of the pandemic. It's just like, we all want life to get back to normal where restaurants are open and people can move about all the neighborhoods freely who's doing this like how does this create a normalcy <laughs> like what the fuck it's well, i appreciate uh, yeah daunting, man. yeah well i appreciate you joining us for for t- today's talk about this uh, um not that i couldn't bring this up with the bastards uh alone but it helps to hear another voice 
on this. Um, and, uh, and again, um, it's, it's, it's time, it's time to amplify and, and whatever, whatever platform we can use to, to bring awareness and to provide potential solutions and provide partnerships. I think we, we want to take advantage of that. So again, I appreciate you being part of today's show. I know, I know you got to go, but do you have any parting words for our listener, for, for Edgar, uh, before, uh, before he gets into any trouble today? Um, I hope he gets into that good trouble. I mean, it was such a glib way of saying it, but it's like, you know, we, I, I think pretty highly of my friends, including all Edgar, who's listening to this. And I think we are all very aligned against the same white supremacist forces and how we go about dismantling it is kind of on each individual. But hopefully what we've talked about here at least points out that none of us are safe, really. Like, there's a, I think as long as we exist in this colonial white supremacist dominant society, there's always gonna be an other. And there's always going to be reason to drum up fear against that other, whether that is the black community, the Asian American community or what have you, like if there's, if it's that easy to name an other, then it might say something about the system rather than the community or the person. Yeah, agreed. Well, thank you again for, for joining us, uh, Ms. Kim. I hope you have a, a great uh, experience with uh, your, your daughter's play date. That's, I think it's, it's already in full swing there. I can kind of- probably hear it. They're like the most boisterous, <laughs> happy sounding, uh, like giraffes, like <laughs> off walls. But uh, please be on the lookout for an invite to join us for our 200th episode uh, at the yeah, because we'd love to have the hours of the 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 hours of wasted time. (laughs) (laughs) We'd we'd love to have you back then. Well, enjoy the rest of your your Sunday, Kim. All right. Thanks. It was nice hanging with you all. Have a good weekend. Always. We'll be right back. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash innocuousbastards. Find us on Twitter as at innocbastards. Or follow our blog at innocuousbastards.wordpress.com. Email us at innocuous.bastards at gmail.com. Welcome back from the quick break. It was nice, definitely nice to have Ms. Kim join us today. Hopefully, uh, She'll be able to be. She'll be available for our 200th episode recording too, because that'll be that'll be very fun. Mac, I know that I uh, may have cut you short uh, in terms of uh, the dis- the discussion prior to the break. What's on your? No, mind? you didn't. No, you didn't. You didn't. You didn't cut me short. And uh, for me to intrude on what you guys were talking about wouldn't 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 have been right. I I was more just wanted to say that uh, you guys were talking about the responsibility being yours in uh, our culture and our, our country to change narratives and to do this and that. Uh, honestly, it's not really in that way. I look at, you know, uh, uh, Kim was talking about 
uh, going to school and and her friends being mostly liberal and the white liberals and and all that yeah they agree with the whole concept but what i don't like is what is people the, the generic white liberal they don't they, they talk a good game but when it comes to actually learning more about other cultures and listening they don't do that and and they don't study history they don't look back and see okay well um, you know asians are, are the, the mythical preferred uh ethnicity right now but they don't look and see go back into the 1940s and the internment camps. They don't go back and look at how the railroads uh, and uh, you know, were built by not just African-Americans, but a lot of Chinese Americans too. And the perception and the, uh, the way the media and movies have portrayed Asian culture is extreme, just as insulting as it is uh, for, for uh, African-Americans. So, and I'm sick of white people talking a good game is like yes we need to do this we need to do that well why don't you learn a little bit about where this all came from instead of saying well we shouldn't see color we should all be equal that's all well and good but at the, at the end of the day most of those people what they're saying is assimilate and we'll all and then we'll and then we'll all be equal and so you know i, I think that's the problem that i have with passive white liberals who don't really do shit about they don't act out they don't say anything against it and all they want you to do is they don't want to hear about all the negative stuff they just want to treat you as an equal now while ignoring all the things that happened in the past and so you know i don't think that it's the responsibility of any ethnicity to try to just justify themselves by being more themselves i think it's more of uh, uh white people the who's been in power to accept these other cultures learn more about them and appreciate the differences and appreciate why there's this pain and suffering now and, and actually learn a little bit about it rather than just, Oh, well, wouldn't, you know, wouldn't that be nice at a, uh, you know, some sort of cocktail party. No, I appreciate you saying that. And I definitely agree that there it's not just, it's not just Asians, um, role to to amplify what's what's happening and, and to 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 again raise awareness i didn't mean for it to sound that way but but you're you know i i agree with with your sentiment for sure because especially that that phrase i don't see color i think certainly was called to task at the start of the black life black lives matter movement no you you want to see color we want you to see color because that's that is acknowledgement of 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 other races of other ethnicities we want we want america to see color and to do something to make sure that there's equity beyond the color right ag what are your thoughts parting thoughts well i agree with both of you but really to the point with mac saying it's not on asians to make this change well it kind of is i'm sorry I mean, there's a, certainly a lot of things that white folks need to do to, you know, get their mindset, might get their mind right about things. But it's like it, people aren't going to do it for you is the point. So it's if you want it done, you need you need to sort of take the lead on it. And I'm all for the, the end result. It's just it's just the, it, and I'm just being practical here. It's like it's not going to happen on its own. So. 
the fact that you are amplifying it, like I, I sent that thing to you guys uh, that Jeremy Lin had posted about anti-Asian hate crimes going around. And that's, it's like there needs to be a critical mass of voices coming to the forefront to, to get this to die down, but it's not going to come from those that you're perceived to be in power. It's just, I mean, I'm not saying that as a negative. It's just like, that's just how things work. If you want change, you need to make the change. So, but the other thing I'm thinking of is that, you know, America has, is this concept of a melting pot mm -hmm. and, you know, true or not, things are, that 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 concept means that your race is going to be part of the culture but really the culture is going to be the dominant moving force of the of everyone so i think this is a difference that we have with canada is that canada really sort of promotes a multicultural uh patchwork of of races and cultures whereas the united states is more like you're going to add some flavor to our culture, but the culture is the most important thing. So I, I can see it both ways as far as like, I, I, I don't think this is purely, <coughs> excuse me, on Asians to make this change, but it like, we need to hear it. Like everybody needs to hear it. And it's as things, the status quo is it's not happening. So it, the change, the change in attitude needs to come from the uh, Caucasian uh, population, but to get it in their brains, that the impetus behind that needs to does need to come from from Asian American cultures. And I agree with you to to uh, I agree with your points as well, Ag, and 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 which is why I acknowledged also earlier that I've just started to be coming a little bit more vocal about it because my usual mo would have been all right well this will blow over. i mean honestly i'm just being honest this will blow over you know i mean once we have the vaccinations you know and everybody because i was kind of agreeing with you with you a little bit as well so once everybody's able to to kind of meet and mingle again you know this this will kind of uh, uh kind of die down but to, to your point about that there's definitely a, the onus on the Asian community as well. I, I do firmly believe that too. And I know it's not a popular opinion. I know when I, when I voiced it in one of, one of the employee network meetings, I mean, I, I saw some facial expressions that, that clearly stated to me that, that what I was saying was not something that resonated with them by blaming our, you know, basically I was kind of blaming ourselves, basically saying, Hey, because we, because of the, manner by which we went we went to this country we wanted to come to america we wanted to assimilate to the culture you know and privately be proud of our we're proud of our culture gone are those days if we if we do want to have that equal footing and even even not even that just just to just to contribute to the to the efforts of uh eliminating racism we do want we do need to speak out we do need to have our voices heard but it also does need to rely on that white white allyship. It truly does. And there was a there was a, 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 a there was some discontent happening in the Asian American population or the company that I work for because there was no there was no public 
kind of outcry from from the company regarding anti anti Asian, but there was public outcry from the company regarding Black Lives Black Lives Matter. So there was a there was a um, an inequality there that was being felt by the Asian American community, the company that I work for, and so it was great that they finally called. We finally called the the company to task is like why aren't you saying anything about this you should be and why does it why do we have to remind you so it really speaks to what you said uh ag about that for sure and what max well said. well it, it, i wanted to clarify too uh, uh, sorry go ahead ag go ahead my, my point is is just this you shouldn't have to do it this shouldn't even have to happen but it does unfortunately but it's you know the fact that the the, the agency to take the point on this push. I'm sorry that 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 it's that it kind of comes to that, but it, it's just the way it is. And things changes sort of happen incrementally. And I think the more that we talk about it, it's like everything every every change comes about from having conversations. So we're getting the conversation started, and we're doing our our part here. And I, this is honestly, this has been a pretty refreshing discussion. So, uh, but again, it's, it's unfortunate that this ha even has to happen at all. But I think the more we talk about it, the easier this is going to get. Go ahead, Mac. Yeah. So my, 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 my point on that was not that all white people need to do things. I'm talking about, as uh, Amada said, the white al uh, allyship, the, this, uh, they they claim to support these causes. They claim to support, uh, you know, to, or to be against racism, but they don't do anything about it. And I think the same thing for companies has also has to be there too. I'm sick and tired of seeing commercials um, uh, about this or that. You know, these these lovely made commercials, uh, you know, about uh, whatever happens to be anti-racist uh, trope of the moment. And yet they don't put a fucking cent into anything and they don't do anything meaningful whatsoever. And so I think that's where I'm more about it. Let's let white people actually back up who alleged to be for this perfect society that we all want to be in fucking do something about it rather than just talk a good game. That, and that's, and, and that's kind of where I'm at. Learn what the fuck you're talking about. Appreciate, appreciate other cultures and actually put your money where your mouth is. Yeah, and that speaks a little bit to what Kim had said um, in, in the last few minutes of, uh, of when she was, when she joined us about having systems in place to really support what we're trying to get after, and uh, rather than so that it goes beyond just talk. Well, this has definitely been. Uh, I really appreciate you guys. I know I, I presented this as a topic, and I really appreciated you both being open to, to discussing this in in our podcast. Uh, that's supposed to be uh, well we, that we claim to be funny a funny a comedy podcast but uh but hopefully uh edgar you specifically have learned a little bit more about what we're trying to get after here and uh we expect you to do your part edgar so uh please help amplify the asian voice and uh <laughs> and and don't be a don't be a dick pig edgar okay um all right I was I was gonna make a recommendation, but I forgot what the recommendation is. Do you have any recommendations, Mac? Don't be a dick. <laughs> right, that seems to be the uh, the theme for for this episode. Good night. Mm -hmm.